Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello and welcome back to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. So today on the show, we have Kelly Hoppen. Kelly is a female entrepreneur who's been in the game for many, many years. She was actually on the BBC show Dragon's Den. Kelly is well known for uh, building many different businesses, whether that be in fashion or investing. And Rob and Kelly have a real open, diverse conversation on all things business. It's a real deep dive granular into how to build a business, how to scale a business. Uh, if you have a family and you want to get into entrepreneurship and into business, all is covered in this podcast. So if you want to check out the video to this interview and all our other interviews, head over to YouTube and subscribe to the Rob Moore YouTube channel. So let's just get straight into the interview with entrepreneur Kelly Hoppen. But remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to this Disruptive Entrepreneur live stream. I'm very excited to have uh, Kelly Hoppen, who was a dragon in the den for about four or five years, I think Kelly thinks, although I'm not sure Kelly was 100% sure. Um, yeah, Kelly, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Me too. And uh, we're live streaming out to millions of people. <laughs> so um, I don't want to talk about Dragon Den straight away, if that's all right, Kelly. Something I think is far more important. I have a lot of clients and people who follow me who are mums and entrepreneurs. And definitely in the lockdown, they struggled with homeschooling and trying to build and scale a business and have their own identity as a person and be a good mum. So much so, we actually did a, a podcast um, last week where I got eight of my clients who are all mums of different ages. Some are single parents, some are divorced, some are, you know, a full family unit. And we just had this big discussion and debate about what it's like being, and they don't like this word, but I'm going to say it, mumpreneur. So, yeah, but it just sort of says, I don't think it's that bad because it just sort of says what it is. How did you manage to be really successful in business, uh, you know, a TV personality and raise your children and be your own unique woman? Do you know, I think that, first of all, it, a long time ago, my kids, you know, my daughter and stepkids were very little. So I worked from home always and I always took to school, pick them up from school. And I used to work very late at night, you know, when you're building a business. And I think with everything, it's all about balance. I think right now it's much more difficult because obviously with the COVID situation, mums have had to have their kids at home, do homeschooling, which I never did. And I can't imagine how stressful that can be. And I think just generally in the world, being a mum and working, there's also this guilt factor that a lot of women have, uh, or men, if they're, if they're single men, you know, work home with, with kids. And I think that you've got to kind of put that guilt factor to one side and think about the fact that your children come first and 
everyone understands that now. And you just have to carve your way through to be able to work. And if you're passionate, as I was about my work, you found the time to do it. But also, it's a big thing I always talk about on my podcast, which is you have to ask for help. You know, there's this whole thing, this sort of stigma, like I've got to do it on my own. I've got to prove to everyone and myself that I can do it. No, the more of a family, a sort of a group of people that you can bounce ideas off. And when you actually find out that everybody has the same issues, it kind of diminishes them and makes them smaller. And somehow you carve your way through to make it work. It's not easy, but you do it. Mm. So um, Emma on the live just said, mum guilt is real. Um, and I, I thought you gave some great tips there, um, Kelly, but you sort of did just say, oh, well, mum guilt, you've kind of just got to get over it. Is it that easy? Have you got any tips on how, yeah, how mums can get over that guilt? Of course it's not. But I think, it, you know, I'm, I'm really at the moment in this whole thing, you know, I get asked a lot, how do you stay positive? I say the way that I do it, I've thought about it, is I'm conscious. I think if you're in a conscious state, and every day you wake up and you find your own mantra of some sort, which is, I'm going to do the best I can today. I'm going to divide my time today. I'm going to try not to feel guilty. But I think you only feel guilty uh, when it's that deep, when you know you haven't given enough time to your kids. And therefore, I'm saying, like, with me, I always still to this day, my daughter's 38. My phone is always on. Like, I'm always available. And I think it really is about finding a balance. And when you find that balance, the guilt diminishes slightly um, and you feel guilty about eating chocolate instead. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> far better thing to feel guilty about. Yeah. Right, so um, I do speak to a, a lot of women who feel, feel like it's been more of a man's world in business and they're somewhat at a disadvantage. I'm going to ask you two questions on this, Kelly. Number one, do you agree with that? And number two, what advantages do women actually have that they can focus on as strengths to build their career? Right. So, again, I get asked this, and I think that we have been programmed to believe that men have it better. But they don't. Like, we've got to get over that and understand that we have so many other things that, are, that men don't have. We have the vulnerability that we believe and we have been taught over the years to squash and you have to be hard and stoic and do actually vulnerability is part of our genes it's the way we are I think we can think in a in a different way to men so I think if you find the strengths that you have and stop I, I'm a great believer in not looking at the negative of the situation but looking at how you can positively make it okay so I think if you go into business with that banner saying men have it better that's what you're getting back so actually, women are brilliant and so are men. I've, I'm a great believer, again, in the balance you need both. But I think that women have an advantage. Um, and I've used it in, in business, you know, in all the years. And I have very rarely had a feeling in business, only one that I shared, you know, probably about six months ago with uh, a gentleman where I was doing a FaceTime with, where I felt very intimidated but I've always, I think, gone into meetings thinking I'm here for a reason. I'm good at what I do. Someone's asked me to be here. or I'm going there to sell something. And if you go in with that positive mindset, I think you overcome all of those challenges that a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about. And actually, why bother? 
give your energy to something which is more positive. And I think that I think then you succeed a lot better. Mm. So I completely agree. And I'm glad that you raised that, because even if a, a demographic of society is suppressed or even if an individual has had it harder, if you play that story, then that becomes your reality. Whereas actually, if you go, do you know what? I've got equal opportunity. Then that t tends to be what you attract. Mm -hmm. So you said vulnerability was a, a skill or an advantage that women have. Um, what other skills and advantages do you think women can use? Well, I just think that, you know, every business is different. Um, you know, I remember investing in the den in two women entrepreneurs who um, they had a, a tanning company, Australian and they were so full of beans. And, and the, one of the reasons I invested in them wasn't so much necessarily because of the product, which I, I like the look of. But, you know, you have to make an instant decision in the den. But it was their positive energy. And the other thing which I think women are very good at are listening. I know people are probably going to go, most husbands and boyfriends are going to go, no, no, no. But <laughs> We do listen, we do kind of digest things and we look at things in a flat plan rather than it being all over the place. And I think that women also um, uh, have this ability to think about things quite systematically um, rather than just shooting from the hip, like that's the way it's going to be done. And I think we can weigh up disadvantages and advantages. And maybe it's just because we we can give birth and we have children and we have that nurturing type of inborn genetics in us that we have this ability to look at things and we can kind of foresee problems. So we almost like try to delete them before we get to them. It's kind of difficult to put into words, but I hope that well, kind of makes sense. It does. I think I've picked out at least five there. Um, right. Now we're going to, now I'm glad we've done the, the female theme. It was important because you know, probably 35% of my followers are women. And I, I think that getting this message out there is really important. But let's move on from that now. So um, you are multi-talented. So you've got your interior designer, author, entrepreneur, dragon, investor, probably other stuff we don't even know. So how do you identify or define yourself, Kelly? You know, if you could only pick one of those, are you an entrepreneur? Are you all... How do you identify well, yourself as a business I mean, I'm, a, I'm a designer. I've been a designer for 43 years. And so if somebody says, you know, when, when you have to fill out a form, you know, like, how do you fill it all in? I'm proud of a lot of other things that I do. But my mothership is building and designing homes around the world. I've built thousands. But I was born with a brain that also was an entrepreneur. And a lot of people that I meet have that ability. You can't stop that happening. Um, it's the way I think. I think in all different directions. And, you know, I can sit across from someone at a table and they're talking to me about something and I go, but oh my God, what if you do it like this? I can't help it. I sort of dissect things. I can see things. I can plan things very quickly in my mind because I'm very dyslexic. I have a very visual mind. So when people talk or I see things, I have this ability. So I would say I'm an interior designer and I'm an entrepreneur. The fact that I've written books and done TV and investments, I mean, that's kind of the mind map, the things that, that run off it. And when you're an entrepreneur, you're constantly doing things. It just never stops. You know, you don't ever put, um, you know, I'm closed sign up. It just doesn't exist in an entrepreneur's mind. Um, and you can see it in children, you know, where I meet, I had a lot of followers on Dragon's Den who were young kids and 
you can see young entrepreneurs, you know, you can see it at an early age. It's a way of thinking, which is different. You're just born with it, I think. Hmm. So Ralphie has just asked on the live, and I think this is an interesting question. So I'm going to go with this. Like you said at the start, let's just wing it and see how it goes. Um, So the reason I asked you that question was because you've done many things. And I was interested to know how you defined yourself. But Ralphie said, why do people have to identify as something? What do you think about that? They don't really, Ralphie. But the point is, my career is as an interior designer. The The word entrepreneur I think you define yourself by by what you do every day. It's your job. That's my job, if you like. You know, it's not it's not mm. a defining word. But an entrepreneur over the last twenty years, if I've been asked it once or twice every day, it's like it became quite fashionable to be an entrepreneur. And I think maybe more has come out of that because of TV and social media. But you don't have to define yourself. I think for me, if you find your passion and it turns into a job and you love it and you can live off it, call it what you want. I call it fun. Mm. Love that. So could you take us back to the start, Kelly? Could you almost just take us on this little journey, go wherever you want to go from when you first realized there was some entrepreneurial and design flair in you all the way to getting on the den? Well, I can remember always being um, intrigued by design um, with my parents' home and then seeing a magazine and seeing a before and after picture. I remember it as if it was yesterday. And um, when my father uh, was killed, I I literally left school and somebody offered me a job doing a kitchen. I did it really badly, but that was my first job. And then I met a friend who was going out with a racing driver they wanted to actually hang out together. I ended up doing the job and that's how my career started. But I was driven. I always knew that's what I wanted to do. In terms of an entrepreneur, I think it was the moment that I was approached by a company to use my name and my brand to design something for them. And that's when I realized that my, my business was also becoming a brand. And I think, I think it was that moment that my sort of entrepreneurial mind started working as to how this actually worked. And, and that's kind of how the, the mind map of the business organically grew. And I think sometimes, you know, people say, oh, Kelly, you know, you became famous so quickly. No, I've been slogging it for 43 years. It was a very organic process with no social media, no nothing. You know, this was all like, hi, I'm Kelly Hoppen. You know, will you write an article about me? And then you went to buy a newspaper. You know, it was very different. So um, I think it was that when when my Kelly Hoppen interiors became a brand, that's when I guess my brain started working um, in that way. But from day one, I taught myself how to run a business. Um, and that I think I learned from my mum. So it was, and it interested me, actually. I liked the two things alongside each other. Mm. Okay, so there's a couple of things that have come out here, which I think could be really interesting. Where does your, you said you're driven. Where do you think that drive comes from? Well, I think, I think people's parents uh, have a huge part to play in the way that children grow up and, and who they become. And that can be a real negative, as you know. Um, Um, And a lot of kids don't have that opportunity. I think that with my father dying so young and it was such a shock, I I think I just decided I would never rely on anybody ever again. Like 
that was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And so I thought I will go and succeed and create a business so that I'm completely self-sufficient. So I think there was that kind of drive through trauma. But once you're on that, that road and you're doing that, it becomes quite addictive, you know, and, you know, my motto is nothing's too big, but nothing's ever big enough. You know, like I get something, I succeed. I'm like onto the next, but I, I, it's not through greed. It's more that the brain is always needing it to be fed um, so I think it was a mixture of things, but I think that's how it kind of started. Do you mind sharing with us what happened with your dad? He was 48 years old. He had um, uh, for a year, like a sort of asthma, he couldn't breathe. And he was given um, a lifelong prescription of a cortisone, which you can't put people on for life. And ultimately, his heart stopped pumping and he had eight heart attacks and died. And he was like 48. He was young. He was, you know, at the prime of his life. And, and I was like so young. And from one day to the next, your parents taken away. And it's, it took me years to kind of get over it. Mm. What was interesting, the word you used, you said killed as opposed to died. Is well, because he was it? given the wrong medication. He should mm. never have had it. So for me, they killed him like... It, it, it was, you know, there was no other two ways about it. Like they, he shouldn't have had the medication he was given, so he shouldn't mm. have died. And they know that. Mm. And do, do, does that give you context and perspective that you're able to use as a barometer for your life? Yeah, I've always lived very much for the day. You know, my motto is learn from the past, live in the present, visualize your future. And I really live by that. And the days that I don't, I kick myself and like, no, come on, Kel, back on it. It's like, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I think with this, you know, horrendous COVID, it's really put so, it's been a way with all the destruction. I know for me, it's really put so much back into perspective that you tend to lose every day. And for young kids, kids who are watching this, you know, it's scary that, you know, I'm 60. And, you know, if I don't go to another party, I've been to plenty. If I don't go to another concert, I mean, of course I want to go. But I look at young kids today and the next few years, they're going to be very restricted into being able to do what normal kids growing up can do. And so I think that out of this, though, you know, a lot of great entrepreneurs are emerging because kids are sitting and they're becoming very inward thinking. And some of the businesses that I'm seeing that are, are coming out of this COVID-19 is just phenomenal. And so I'm hoping that shows like this and people that, you know, we can mentor and young kids, they can see that, you know what, if the world is going to slow down over the next couple of years, this is an opportunity. And I think opportunity is a really important word. And I think that, um, you know, with social media and, and so much access over this machine, so much is possible. And I would just say to everybody, don't give up. Just keep trying until the dream comes true. Don't give up because there are opportunities out there. And so within this bubble that we're living in, rather than sitting there going, oh, when's it going to finish? And why is it the vaccine coming? Like if we keep, again, putting that negative on it, we've got to be positive and look inward and just pause slightly and be conscious. I think a lot of good business can come out of it. 
Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anything. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Right. So let's go back to your journey then. Can you share how you got on the den, the whole process of it and the experience of it? Well, I just got a phone call um, and I'd always watched it and I knew a couple of the dragons personally. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I was like, no way. I mean, no way am I going to do that. It's too frightening. And, you know, and you've got to use your own money and I'm too busy and, and all the rest of it. But Actually, when I started thinking about it, I became quite excited. And then they said, well, why don't you just do a screen test? So I thought, I'll do the screen test. And then two days later, they called me up and said, you're absolutely perfect. We want you on. And then there was kind of like no going back until the very last minute. I kept saying to my partner, John, you do it. I can't do this, you know. (laughs) And um, but actually, I absolutely loved it. Um, But I couldn't I couldn't continue with it because it took up so much time. It was like a whole nother business and people like Deborah and, you know, that's all she did. And I had to get a whole new team of people in and I always wanted to invest in young people and they needed time. Would I go back and do another year or something? Of course, in time, maybe I would. Not now, I'm too busy. But it was an amazing um, show. But you've got to remember, it was 21 days of filming. Each day of filming was eight, nine hours long you know, and it was, it was hardcore. And then you've got all the investments and running the businesses and, you know, but I did love it. I did love it. And I still watch it. And what would you say the main things you learned from being on the den were about A, yourself and B, other businesses pitching to you? Well, one thing I did learn was I should never, never, ever on the den talk, try and add up something in my mind because I'm dyslexic. Because <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's, it's recorded because there are a few faux pas there, which everyone laughed about. But I learned a huge amount from the other dragons, as they did of me, because the whole thing about Dragon's Den and the beauty of it is between the dragons. So you'll say something that will provoke someone else to suddenly want to invest. So you can manipulate it. And that's when it becomes fun, you know, and the stakes get high. And... Um, yeah, so it's a game show, but you're, it's costing you a hell of a lot of money. You know, it's TV. 
Mm. Can you remember how many investments you made? Any of the any of the companies go really good or really bad? Well, Skinny Tan did really, really well, and um, Reviver Phone did brilliantly well. I can't remember the others. It was so long ago, but some of them were atrocious, you yeah. know. But um, um, I, there were a few I tried to get that did really well, uh, but I didn't get them. So, you know, that also became frustrating. You know, it comes, what happens on set, it can be quite aggressive between you, and that's what the show wants. And then you're in the green room, and it's like it never happened, you know. Mm. Ish. <laughs> yeah. And um, any pitches that, um, or anything you learn from, because people come to me all the time either pitching to me or wanting to pitch an idea. Obviously, you've seen hundreds of pitches. So can you give us a top tips or do's and don'ts on pitching? Well, you, you need the information. You need the figures, the numbers, the turnover, what it's cost you, you know. And most, most importantly, who your competitors are. If you don't know that, it makes the dragons go nuts. You need all the information. And then it's about being yourself and showing your passion and your drive and your commitment and, you know, um, not assuming that a dragon will just be a magician and make it all happen. It's teamwork and it's for a dragon to open up doors for you. Um, mm. But it, look, it's an amazing tool and there have been some huge successes and some huge failures on it. Mm. Has it been good for your overall business and brand being on the show? Um, I don't think it made any difference to my, my main business because that was very different. But what it did do was uh, me and I had to do a lot of business talks and everything was about entrepreneur. And there was a point a few years ago where I sort of just said, look, I've got to, I've got to focus on, on what I really – it made me realize that my real passion is design. And I love the business side, but I couldn't just do that. I am very artistic. So it kind of taught me again that it's a, it's a balance between the two. Mm. Okay, great. So I'm going to change tact here. And I intentionally didn't start with this question. We've got to talk about it. Um, do you think the government are doing enough to help businesses through this COVID pandemic double, triple lockdown? Are the government doing enough to help businesses? Look, I think any government in the world has been thrown a, a hand of cards they didn't know how to deal with. My, my issue is that people like Bill Gates has been telling everyone to get prepared for this for five or six years. That annoys me more. So we should have been prepared. Uh, our government, I think, it just seems such a mess. Like, Everything, you know, they're making a decision today and then it changes tomorrow. I think they, they have to support every single living person in Great Britain. There has to be money. The, the country, as many countries around the world, are, are, are so, like, the, the pot is so empty. But we have to support people. You know, to say you're not going to give free food to children in half term, all of us got together and did it, Right. You know, that's the great thing about community. Something like that happens. Everyone comes in and helps. I think that they're going to have to. They've got to support the country. They've got to support self-employed people. You can't just support people that work for people. That, for me, was the biggest issue. They had people going on furlough who were working in companies. They were fine. But what about self-employed people, young people starting businesses that had no means? 
So they have to continue doing that. And, you know, we as, as people, you know, part of the private sector, we keep saying you've got to do that. Luckily, there are a lot of charities out there. There are a lot of people that are supporting people. But it's not going to be an easy year ahead anywhere in the world, I don't think. But every government has to help anybody and everybody. Mm. Amen. <laughs> Could you tell us about, you have an MBE, is that right? Well, I've got an MBE, but I've just got a CBE, literally, oh! a couple of weeks ago. So Wow. Um, I know. Uh, I had to keep it secret since June. So I got an MBE for my services to design, which I was like, it was amazing. It just came through the, the I thought it was a tax letter because it was brown and I yeah. just put it down and didn't open it until Monday. And then I'm dyslexic and I read it. I was like, what, what? I was like screaming. And then literally in the lockdown, I got a letter from um, um, Her Majesty saying that I'd been awarded a CBE, which is phenomenal for my work. Uh, mentoring young people, uh, working with the Great Campaign, and for my export and import um, business, really bringing money into the country and, and exporting. You know, when we build a house, we might spend two million pounds on products. So we're supporting young business and stuff. So I was I was really chuffed, and and I couldn't tell anyone except my family um, until it was announced a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> right. I, I'm going to pick something random out here because you've said this a few times. and I'd love your definition on this. You've said the word conscious a lot of times. Conscious leadership or, um, you know, being conscious about decisions or conscious as a, a, a female entrepreneur. What do you mean by that? Well, you can go through life just doing stuff, can't you? You get up, you make your coffee, you go to the gym, you get dressed, you go to work, call a friend or whatever. It's just you're on autopilot. I suppose the conscious mind is, is really like stopping for a minute and being conscious. Like today, I'm going to have a great day. I mean, I'm, I'm being a bit silly here, but like that basic, like you can plan your day. You can plan the way you feel. But I don't think you can do any of that unless you're in a conscious state. And there's, you know, there's a huge amount of mental health at the moment with this whole um, COVID situation. And what I try to say to people is, like, your mental state is the most important part of your body. Like, you know, it all starts up here. You know, if you get a bit angry about something, it festers, it gets bigger because you don't talk about it. But if you're conscious and you try and take, I mean, I go to the gym to meditate. Most people sit quietly like this. That's mm -hmm. not me. So my way of doing it is consciously when my eyes open and I wake up to consciously lie in bed and think about my day and be grateful for everything. And if I get a negative thought, consciously say, no, I'm going to turn that into a positive. So it's, it's being conscious of what your thoughts are and more importantly, the language you speak. Like if I was aggressive to you, you would be aggressive back to me. If we speak in a language that we both understand and we listen and we might count to 10 before we answer somebody, that's being conscious. Mm. You mentioned gratitude in there. Is that something that you practice a lot and do you think that's yeah. important? Yeah. It's so important. And do you know what? It's hard when you're saying be grateful when maybe you don't have something to be grateful for, but. You've got to try and dig deep. 
to find that gratitude because that will only bring better things to you. And I know it's hard. I know what you're thinking. Mm. And when I do my posts and throughout the lockdown, I did posts every single day to talk to people. And I was aware of that. You know, there are people less fortunate, but, you know, the words help and people do listen. And and a lot Mm. of people would write to me, hundreds of people saying, we, we couldn't wait to hear you every day. You know, it was a lifeline. So even if just a little bit of what I say that works for me and, and I've learned over my years can help somebody else, then that's good. Yeah. I think um, this is in, important to expand upon quickly, Kelly, because um, a mentor of mine always used to say, well, he still does. I think he's just turned 70. And he says, what you appreciate, appreciates. Uh, and I always remember that. And I know you said sometimes it's hard, but I would challenge. I think it's actually quite easy um, to be grateful because I think everyone, no matter how hard their life is, has a lot to be grateful for. I'll give you an example. My dad's very ill. He has bipolar. But I still have my dad and you don't. And I feel very grateful for that. And that's something that you're not able to experience. And so I, when you talk about your dad, I forget the fact my dad's been in and out of hospital for 15 years and the meds have completely wiped his personality out. And I just think, thank goodness he's here. And it's easy to focus on what we haven't got rather than what what we have. But uh, just John DeMartini always says, what you appreciate, appreciates. Yeah, it's a mirror image. Mm. The mirror. Look at yourself in the mirror. And if that's what you're putting out, that's exactly what you're getting back. If you walk out of this, I know when I walk into my studio in the days when staff used to come in, if I would walk in with a long face, the mm. whole tone would go down, 60 yes. people. Yeah. If I walked in and went, hey, everybody, how are you doing? God, we're going to have the best Wednesday. Come on, let's all get, you know, let's kick ass today. The whole <laughs> energy would come up and the productivity that would happen in the studio. So you walk around. If you walk down the street and you say hello to somebody, look at the surprise on their face. Go, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hello. You've made their day. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You've, men- you've mentioned a few times about your dyslexia. It, have you had problems with that in the past? Was that difficult oh, growing up? Did you get bullied or you know, yeah, how no, was that? I was that bullied very badly. So one of the charities that I, I support is called the Diana Awards. Um, I was very badly bullied. I can't spell. I can't add up. Thank God for spell checks. You know, people close to me would take weeks to decipher text messages. Um, but you know what? It's a, it's a bonus. I look at it as a bonus. I say to young kids, this is, not, um, this is not a bad thing because you've got a creative mind, different part of your brain's working. Focus on that. You can use spell check and a calculator. Boom, mm. done. I actually know a lot of very successful entrepreneurs who are very dyslexic and they've all told me they had to learn other skills and that was the great benefit of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Okay, great. So, random one. What's, you've been interviewed loads of times. What's the toughest or the weirdest or the worst interview question you've ever had that you can remember? Do you know, I can't, though. I just can't remember. It's like, if I told you how many times I've done uh, being asked questions, I think there have been a few that have completely thrown me and I've literally not been able to answer or I didn't want to answer. They might have been personal and I thought that they were... Someone was trying to get information. Uh, Actually, I'll tell you. Mm. I'll tell you. This is a true story. In lockdown, John and I, uh, I I, obviously I was doing the washing, the cleaning and everything else. 
not that I don't normally do it, it's just I work. So I, it was like full on working this because we didn't shut the studio down through lockdown. We worked remotely. So I went to do the washing and I looked at the washing machine and it was new and I didn't know how to use it. It was very technical. <laughs> so basically, John came in, got it up on Google, tried to figure out how to work it. And I did like a funny film of it and we posted it up because down in lockdown, everyone was like doing funny things. And a journalist wanted to do an interview on it and try to turn it into a negative that like I didn't know how to wash my clothes and everything else. And it was just a really non-starter interview. And actually it was so bad, the question she was asking, I just went, I'm now going to hang up. We're not going to do this interview anymore because oh, you're wow. trying to make it. And that was it. So that was probably the worst because it was funny what we were doing and she tried to yeah. turn it into something negative. That's mm. the only one I can remember. And I actually think, because you've got a podcast, I'd love to talk about that, Kelly, in a moment. One of the things I love about podcasts, and I think why a, a lot of, um, I guess I've, I've been fortunate enough to get some great guests, is because it's not really a journalistic negative angle environment, yeah. is it? It's yeah. normally Just a, a conversation. More, yeah. And no one's trying to catch anyone out, usually. Um, and, and just a little bit more interactive. And I'm always very pro my guests. Like if I have a guest on the show, it's because I want them on the show, not because I want to catch them out because they can't use a washing machine. <laughs> which <laughs> well, I can't use, use a washing machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, cool. So we're going to have a little bit of um, change up things now. So we've got three different rounds. And there's, some of these are experimental. So what I've got is I've got four questions from my audience. We'll come to that. But if you don't mind, we'll do a bit of a, a mini quick fire just to change up the energy and the, and the pace. You can answer longer if you want, if you feel like it, but you can answer really quick also if you want. How many hours a day on average do you work? Seven, eight. Can you describe or outline your typical day? Yes, awake at 5.40, do my meditation, have my hot water and lemon, two big espressos, watch the news, do my emails, look at Instagram, then go to the gym, then go to the studio, or I'm on Zoom calls all day. Then I watch endless television at night. Love it. This is a, just a, a separate one, but what, what shows do you like on TV? We've all got to ask that one. What Anything. are you loving? I like political dramas. I like comedy. I like good film. I mean, we are TV addicts. Just love it. The more, more you can give us, the better. Pick a great one that you've watched recently. Uh, uh, I just watched Tehran. Incredible. Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. In fact, the last one is Tonight. You just reminded me. Billions. Love um, billions. Oh, God. I mean, um, Comey, the guy who was head of uh, FBI, uh, mm -hmm. all about him being fired by Trump. That's really good. Watched that the other day. Um, oh, anything. Chick flicks, you name it. <laughs> <laughs> um, has being an entrepreneur affected your family life in any way? No, not at all. Why not? How not? I don't know, because I don't know what it would have been like if I hadn't been an entrepreneur. So mm. there are plenty of things that have affected my kids growing up and, and, and stuff, but I don't think it was that. Um, no, I think it's probably made it better because I, I, mm. I help them as well and all their friends. And so maybe it's a plus. My mm. cooking has hurt my family. <laughs> 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 Not being an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what motivates you? Um, I don't know. I've just got endless energy. I just, 
I don't know what motivates me, but I, I love to succeed. I like I like having a project and succeeding. And I guess my kids, my family, you know, being able to to help. Um, I, I, you know what? I just love it. It's fun. I can't imagine not doing it. Mm. How do you generate ideas? Well, normally it would be having a few breaks and going away. So it's been tough over the last eight months. But just being in the countryside, going for walks, hanging out with my grandson, who's three and a half, he inspires me, um, watching a movie. But, you know, everything I do is music. So I design to music. I hear sound. So music is, is a huge part of my life. Mm. What's your greatest fear? Um, right now. Whenever. <laughs> well, right now, it's just this COVID thing never coming to an end. But normally, um, well, nothing really. I suppose fear of a plane crashing. I don't really like flying, although I'm always in a plane. I don't really, I'm, I'm not really fearful of, of like things generally. Mm. Heights. Right. Now we'll do the uh, um, subscriber, listener, fan questions. So this is from Jeanette Linfoot. Um, if you're decide, deciding to close or stop a business or project, how do you decide to do that? And I think it's a great question because everyone's talking about starting stuff. But what about when you need to kill an idea or a project that might be hard to do? How do you do okay, that? It's very simple because even if you're thinking about it, there's got to be a reason why. And obviously, I don't know what that reason is. So if you think, so if it's losing money or it's draining you or you simply can't afford to do it, you should shut it. Like, I always say there's a gut feeling in your stomach. If there's, you know, if there's a reason for something. If you're even asking the question, that's reason enough. Then you just have to sit down and work out the pros and the cons. The minute you make the decision, you'll feel a lot better. And you can always restart it. Sure. Thank you. This one's from Steve Chamberlain. Um, he said, was there a definitive moment you realized you were successful uh, with your business? And then when you got to that definitive moment and realized you were successful, did that change your approach? Yeah. Um, I got, uh, I won a big award. It was like an Oscar for the design industry. And it was, I'd also been approached by Conrad to do uh, my first book, East Meets West. That was a very defining moment because up until then, I was always looking for someone to tell me I was doing okay. But the moment I won that award and I got my first book deal, it was like somebody had just put a switch on. It was just like, OK, now just get on with it. I didn't have to look for someone to say, you're OK, you're doing OK. I felt confident. So I think I, that's why I always say to people, like, if you're confident about what you're doing, it's, um, you know, it's quite hard to put a wise head on a young body. Uh, I heard that expression today and I thought, what a brilliant expression. Like, you know, if only they could. But if you can find that confidence, but not be arrogant with it, but just feel confident, it, it can be quite a defining moment in business. Mm. And then did your um, attitude or outlook change once you got to that moment? Yeah, I, I got rid of the ego. I was I listened to people and, you know, it was it was a really a, it went like that, basically. Mm. Mm. Great. So we've been testing a new round on this podcast called The Cheeky Round, where we ask two or three cheeky questions. Basically, it's my excuse that they're a bit difficult to ask. And if you don't like them, I can just say, well, that's the cheeky round's fault, just in case you hate me for them. Um, so the first one is, 
Do you have a guilty pleasure that you don't normally admit in public, but you're going to right now? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely addicted to uh, kettle crisps. They're like my guilty pleasure. I mean, most people will say tequila, but for me, it's just the salt and crisp. I can sit and eat like five bags all at once watching a movie. That's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> okay. What's the most expensive or opulent item you've ever bought? Expensive, probably art, because I collect art. Probably the most opulent was a car once. Which, what car are you allowed? Can you say the model? It was a Bentley, and I hated it once I got it. <laughs> it just wasn't me. It was just kind of like a midlife crisis, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful Great. car, by the way. Bentley, yeah, but just of course. Um, have you ever been propositioned because of your fame and fortune? Oh, yeah. Lots. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not oh, quite okay. sure for what, for what reason it was, but I have been, yeah. Yeah. All right, great. I'm not going to dig any more on that one. Um, who's your favourite and least favourite dragon in the den and why? Oh, what, now? Or when I was... Or now or when you were there, up to you. Uh, do you know what? Um, Oh, that, that's probably the hardest of the questions. I like them all. I like them all for different reasons. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, look, not been, I know them uh, all. Yeah. Like, Deborah's just amazing. She's just a firecracker. And it was I loved sitting alongside her. Peter can be really, like, pig-headed, but equally as brilliant down the other end. Duncan was just always a laugh on my right. And Piers... Linny was new with me and he was great. He was like, a, he became a really good friend. So all of them really. Mm. Did you ever have any major spats with any of them? Oh, I had a few with Deborah. Yeah. Right. You know, real cat fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Okay, great. Right. So now we're into the final quick fire round. Um, but before we do that, I'd love to talk about your podcast. Um, give it a good, good shout out because we have a good following here. Um, and any other things you do? If, I don't know if you've um, your books, but just tell us a bit about all the things that maybe our listeners could go and listen to and watch. Um, well, just quickly, we've got we've got a new book coming out next year, which I can't talk about yet, but it'll be really good, good interiors book. Um, the podcast we do, we've got something called Head Talks, which is launching soon, which are inspirational talks that we'll put out. Um, Oh, I don't know. Just like stuff going on. We've got loads of new product coming out. Um, yeah. What's your podcast called? Uh, success, actually. Ah. But it's success. Success, in... actually, or just success? <laughs> no, success, <laughs> actually. Maybe I'd do that. Um, <laughs> That'd be a no, good title. It's more about like, it's, it's not about success because you've made money. It's success in how you feel. So there's a real range and diverse selection of people that I've chosen to put on it and it can be somebody very young to somebody that's my age to from all walks of life um and I love doing it I need to do a load more actually I just haven't had time mm. and then it, what's your um if there's one book that you've written that's out already that you think people should go and read which one would that be uh probably masterclass is the one that people most love because it's got more content on actually how to do things um, the last book was retrospective of being in business 40 years. So that's kind of different. But um, yeah, and East Meets West is still one of my favorites. It's my first book, but it's, you know, Masterclass has got stuff in it people can take away. Yeah. Okay. 
Great. So we've got four quick questions left, Kelly. Um, so the first is, what's the best and worst advice you can ever remember receiving? Uh, well, the best advice I think I ever got was be yourself. I've always remembered that. The worst advice I got at a very early age was always speak your mind because that got me into the worst trouble growing mm. up. Mm. So I think there's, you know, I think I took it literally. So that was probably the worst advice. I agree with that. I read a book called Radical Honesty um, and I was walking around being radically honest with everyone and I was pissing everyone off and it didn't work. It didn't yeah, I work know. at all. I, I remember that. Being conscious, you see. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, great. So um, is there one thing that's really wrong in the world that you feel and that you feel you'd like to change? Well, obviously COVID. I'd like to wipe that out. But world poverty. In this day and age, no one should go hungry. It's ridiculous. Simple as that. Mm. Love it. Um, if there was one person alive that if I got as a guest on the podcast, you would stop everything you're doing and immediately watch or listen, who would it be? Dalai Lama. Mm, I follow him a lot. I really like his work. We have been trying, to, been trying to get him, but I need to get better at manifestation, clearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Manifest that. Yeah. And then this podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur, and we've had more than 100 amazing disruptive entrepreneurs on the show. And I always ask the same question to end the show, which is what does the word disruptive mean to you? It just means that you, you know, it can be a positive as well as a negative. So for me, it just seems like it's a shake up. It's like you're putting stuff in, shaking it and just seeing what falls and then discuss it. It's good. You know, it's, it's, I don't look at it as the negative. I mm. think you can be positively disruptive entrepreneur <laughs> and then where should we follow you you know what, what's your main social media outlet where you put uh, um, well, I put, but, you know we we do, we do twitter but really instagram is where i put most of the stuff on there and then we're going to be doing a whole youtube channel and everything it's just my fault i haven't had the time to do it so we mm. we actually filmed a lot of content this morning and um uh and also a lot of um interior tips and stuff um, for people to, to do. So really Instagram, everything that you need to hear or see or whatever will always be on my Kelly Hoffman page. And is it just your, your name or has it got a different handle? How, what's the handle? Just Kelly Hoffman, CBE. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now going to go oh, see my grandson. Oh, great. So look, to me. Kelly, thank you very much for being on the show. I don't want to keep you anymore because grandchildren are the most important thing. Really grateful for you taking the time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Take care. Thanks. Stay safe. Great. That was really good. Energy was really good. She was great, yeah.